welcome to the xbox wrap up how you guys doing i am captain logan your host for this episode and we are going to be talking about all of the news that happened this week all of the games that came out things you should be keeping an eye out for and of course the industry news uh, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that happened as far as a new controller for uh, xbox we're going to be talking about upcoming games games that got delayed as well as some of the stuff that came to game pass that i've been playing and enjoying as well as the new games of gold for october we're going to be talking about E3. We're also going to be talking a little bit about The Last of Us because I'm very interested in that and what that means for TV shows, for gaming in general. And to nobody's surprise, well, maybe a couple people's surprise, but to nobody's surprise, Google has decided to kill Stadia. I know it's a big shocker. We're going to be talking about that and a lot more on this week's episode. So if you missed out on the game's news this week, don't worry about it. I got you covered. We're going to be talking about it for the next hour. It's going to be, well, at least for, I was imagining the next hour. Who knows? There's not a whole lot because, believe it or not, we're getting into the end of the year. And that usually is when a lot of games start coming out and there's less talk about other stuff. So I'm going to be diving into some of the stuff that I think is pertinent. There's always rumors, but I don't want to bother with rumors because you know what? That isn't happening. That, that's not happening until it's actually happening. So we're going to be diving into the actual news this week. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the Xbox Wrap-Up. It's the beginning of October, and uh, with that, we have some new games with gold. As you all know, um, th they are taking out the 360 games from games with gold now and i i naturally thought that we would be getting just a third game that would be an xbox one game maybe they could even you know bump it up to give us like an xbox series x and s uh game that was compatible but also playable on xbox one and i was just genuinely kind of curious like what would happen um unfortunately i wish i had good news uh but i don't think there is really a whole lot of good news so Here's what's going on with Games with Gold. Uh, there's two titles. One is available for all of October, and the other one comes in halfway through October and goes till the middle of November. And the two games that we got are not exactly stellar games that I, I have personally played. I haven't really uh, jumped into these. They're indie titles, uh, and I was kind of hoping that we would get something that was a little bit bigger, but it makes me wonder. Um, as I kind of talk about this, in the back of my mind, I think, well... We have Game Pass, so why does Games with Gold need to be something that is spectacular when I'm already getting spectacular with Game Pass? So here are the two games that are going to be uh, coming out, and again, I'm going to be reading from the Xbox Wire because they tend to do a little bit of a good summary on these uh, for you. So the first game that's going to be starting off at the beginning of October is called Windbound, and here's the little blurb for it. Washed up on an uncharted island, you must use your will and skill to survive. Play as Kara, shipwrecked on the Forbidden Islands with nothing but what you can build or find. You'll need to craft weapons to survive. Spend time building a new boat, which you can use in an immense tactile sailing experience to reach other islands. Exploring the hidden history of each island to unlock their mysteries. Enjoy this delightful, surprising game that takes the survival genre in a totally new direction. So that's Windbound, and uh, that's coming out on October 1st, going till Halloween, uh, which, by the way, Halloween, it's it's my favorite holiday. 
if you guys have games that that you play for Halloween, definitely let me know because I'm I'm kind of curious. I am really bad about spooky games though, so but I, I'm always curious what people are playing uh, around this time of the year because that's kind of what holidays are good for. Uh, but Windbound, very interesting game. Um, I have always kind of kept my eye on this. I've always kind of like looked at it from afar, seen like you know maybe maybe jump into it because it, it does kind of feel like a bit of a a little bit of a cross between like Sea of Thieves, but Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And I, I always loved Wind Waker, you know, Wind Waker is such a good game. Um, but this is a survival genre. And it, as we get into the later episode, uh, I'm going to be talking about the games that came to uh, Game Pass. And we got a lot of we got a lot of survival games that came to Game Pass. Um, but this is one that you can actually own. So it's uh, retails for normally about 20 bucks. I think I've seen it on sale for 15 in the past. But it is definitely something that you can jump into. It is published by Deep Silver uh, and developed by Five Lives Studios. And this was released back on August 27th of 2020. So it's about two years old there. Uh, and there is a little bit of a DLC for this. If you decide you want to add to it, you can get some cosmetics for about three bucks. But this is a um, single player game as a survival game, which is really good if you're looking for that opportunity to kind of jump into a sea of thieves adventure but you don't like getting murked uh by other pirates like if you just want to do the sailing aspect of it this will probably be a good game for that uh just bear in mind you're probably going to have to deal with the other things that come to it as far as like the actual uh survival mechanics and stuff eating drinking staying healthy you know healing your wounds stamina things like that uh so just kind of bear in mind as you as you jump into this very interesting looking game i will be picking it up so that i can try it out sometime in the future when i'm not playing so many other survival games the other game that we got is called Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition. And this is a little blurb for it. Listen up, Flyers. We're recruiting you to take on extremely high-risk missions in this World War II strategic flying and bombing game. Once you're up in the air, danger is everywhere. It's up to you to manage the fuel, ammo, and hydraulics while trying to avoid enemy gunners. Even the weather can bring you down. Keep your crew safe and focused on bringing home victory. Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition includes the original Bomber Crew plus the secret weapons and USAAF DLC. So there's plenty of flying to be done. So uh, I have not ever actually seen this. This is going to be available August 16th through uh, November 15th. And it's cute looking. Um, you know what it kind of reminds me is that uh, that faster than light game where you're kind of in a, a plane you've got a little bunch of little people and you have to send them to do little tasks it's a little bit of a simulator mechanic uh but it's it's set in a world war ii um story so it, i i would say take a look at this if if you like um i, I, I want to say it's faster than light actually i'm gonna see if i faster than light game is it yeah ftl yeah 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 okay yeah so it's kind of like ftl that's what the name of it is, but it's a little, a little more of uh, less 2D, more uh, 3D environment. So, but it looks like kind of like that, where you're managing the little people on your on your ship as it kind of goes around and does stuff. Um, if you've ever played like a uh, Fallout Shelter, or uh, gosh, there was another one that was that was out there, but uh, I can't remember what it was either. But it was essentially where you had to 
send people to different rooms to do stuff and they had specialties and you had to kind of keep an eye on them stuff like that um that's kind of what's coming in this package here with the bomber crew so keep an eye out for that again that's going to start on the middle of october go to the middle of november and that's it for the uh games with gold and i i have to say as far as the lineup goes not spectacular nothing that really kind of wows me the way that i've seen uh like the the ps plus games like if you if you take a look at the uh the ps plus games for october um for for this year then you're you're gonna actually it's it's kind of interesting to think about like what they're actually putting up there so and i don't think that we've actually seen what they're going to be bringing i'm taking a look right now actually i'm kind of kind of curious to see if i can find out what the uh, October monthly games are going to be for this month. So here we go. Um, the the PS Plus October 2022 monthly games uh, for the for the tier that's the bare minimum, right? The just the the essentials. Hot Wheels Unleashed, uh, which is actually something that came out just before Forza Horizon Five. Um, you're kind of a small Hot Wheels little car, and you're on the big orange tracks, uh, kind of like with the DLC for for uh, Forza Horizon Five. Um, but the difference here is is that you are scale, so you everywhere around you is still kind of like the big normal environment. You know, you're kind of going around in this little miniature car on these tracks, and it's a, a racing game in that aspect. So uh, that is going to be available for October. Um, that usually kicks up on like the the third day into the month, and uh, we'll be going towards the end of the month a little bit into November usually and then the other ones are going to be super hot which is a ps4 title where uh, you're kind of moving through a weird uh, polygonal world that doesn't really have any textures and you're shooting your way through these rooms but people don't move unless you move so if you're standing still then everyone else is frozen and it's got a really nice little bullet time mechanic like you can plan out your shots and stuff it's it's a very interesting game i'm going to pick it up i've never i've never played it because i always had kind of hoped that this was going to be something that was going to be coming to uh psvr2 because there is a vr version i believe on vive and quest that you can play through and it's a it's a much more interesting game in vr i think where you physically have to actually stand still in vr uh and then when you move everyone else starts moving and you have to kind of puzzle your way through the room uh to not get killed and then the last title is injustice 2 which is from uh i believe is it nether realm i think nether realm does the injustice series and uh and it's essentially the the superhero brawler right so those are some of the games um that are going to be coming I think uh, Aliens Fireteam has got DLC that's coming out. Um, I think that there's a couple other stuff as well, too. Uh, but compared to the games with gold, it is very interesting that PlayStation is considered their essential games that come out each month to be something that they try to shoot for at a at a pretty mid to high tier quality. Like they really try to give you games that people will probably be playing um, whereas games with gold has always kind of felt like uh, it is it is essentially kind of the the older stuff that might kind of backfill some of your uh, library in case there's stuff that maybe you missed or you never picked up and you thought, ah, you know, maybe I'd give it a shot, um, but I don't really feel like spending the money on that. 
but it definitely pales in comparison to Game Pass. Uh, Game Pass console and Game Pass PC and Game Pass Ultimate uh, really do kind of bring in some of the major, major titles um, that come in each each month. There's always a bunch of stuff that's, that's coming out. Um, so if we want to, we'll go ahead and do a little transition here. You mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. So there are a couple games that I uh, wanted to let you guys know about that are coming to Game Pass. One of them is uh, available for everyone on uh, and, and it's grounded. It's it's available on PC. It's available on console and they're cross play. You can join up with each other to uh, join in a shared world. It's not private servers, but it's close to it. Uh, and I've been having a lot of fun with this. Um, I played it back when the uh, preview came out a couple of years ago and uh, have been spending some time in there to kind of you know build up my fort use grass and it really is hunting ash drunk the kids it's a it's a great way to kind of experience that type of a, a movie in a video game world and i think this is probably one of the most accessible uh, survival games that i've ever jumped into so as of right now, Grounded is actually getting really good scores for a 1.0. For something that started out in preview mode, they've done a great job of going in and adding a story. That was one of the biggest criticisms I had when I started out is it felt like it was a really cool premise, but it didn't feel like it was an actual uh, like story-based game. There was no explanation as to what was going on. And right now, if you go over to Open Critic, you can actually see that the game is coming in at an 84, which is honestly pretty good, uh, especially given that that this was a small team out of Obsidian who uh, are working on a vow to they're working on uh, Outer Worlds 2 and uh, they've got what is what's the other one Pentiment I think uh, that is coming out and um, it's just fantastic to see that this team has really stuck with it they've added a lot of features uh, to the game that have made it very accessible for for you to build to be able to get around uh, to be able to have some fun with it and there's even uh, some modes as I was digging into the shared world options that if you don't want to deal with uh, like the spiders or the, the threats in the world and you just want to go out and explore, there's even a, a mode where you can set it up to be a very casual creative mode, kind of like Minecraft. So I think this is really a, a kind of a fun way to jump in and have some fun with, um, with your friends and, and just kind of build up, see what you can actually create if you built your own fort. And overall, I would say that um, this is definitely a game that I would recommend people checking out, giving it an opportunity to see if it's something that you like, see if it's something that that really works for you, especially if you haven't been a fan of survival games in the past due to the different uh, systems that are in place that you have to try and manage. It's very easy in this game to kind of uh, learn some of the things that you can do and, and get around with. I will say that the spiders uh, are, are surprisingly tough. Um, I've had a, a, a lot of trouble trying to kill those. Uh, I don't know why, it just seems like either I'm not getting the uh, the right gear together or I'm, I'm not learning how to block. It's a very simple kind of uh, a mechanic where you've you've got your weapon, it's kind of like you've blocked, you can block damage, but you still take some damage. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the gear that I'm using or not, but uh, I ended up starting up uh, a fresh new world, um, even though it kept the stuff that I'd done in the preview mode in the last two years, it actually kept all that. Um, I started up fresh uh, and, and just jumped in. I was able to build a pretty decent place uh, around a couple different areas and been having a pretty good time with it. I like what they're doing with the story. I think that it's, it's fun that they've uh, kind of made this into almost like a Saturday morning cartoon uh, back in the day. Like they've, they've turned it into one of those. It's got a lot of uh, kind of eighties, nineties nostalgia to it. So, 
if you're a kid growing up uh, now, you can kind of get a taste for what it was like uh, in the cartoon era back then. Um, and if you grew up during that time, you'll you'll definitely see the winks and the nods to stuff uh, like raw science, you know, fun stuff like that. So um, get in there, have fun. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you guys have any uh, tips or tricks for that as well, too. The other survival game that came out is called Valheim. Now, this is something that's been available over on Steam for quite a while. Uh, this is the first time that it's been it's coming to Game Pass and, and through the Microsoft Store. Uh, if you don't know what Valheim is, um, I would I would imagine it's a Norse uh, setting. You've got a lot of like Vikings, um, you've got longboats, you've got rivers that you have to navigate through them, and you kind of build up your home. Uh, there's many, many different types of uh, areas like ecosystems, or ecosystems, I can't, biomes. It's got many different biomes, and this survival game really does kind of pit you against some of the elements out there like trolls. Uh, you've got different types of uh, flying giant bugs that you have to deal with, as well as uh, golems, things like that. And... I, I think this is a really interesting one because the aesthetic is very unique. Um, they've purposefully gone with something that looks good at a distance, but when you get right up next to it, you notice that it is a very simple uh, texture. It's a very simple geometry. As a whole, it kind of looks like a, a pretty nice painting, um, but up close, it's very simplified type of, of uh, cosmetics or, or uh, type of, of graphics. And it, it looks like a PS1 game. If you were to take a PS1 game and kind of fuzz it up in your mind to, to let you kind of remember what PS1 games used to look like in your mind, not actually what they used to look like. So um, I think it's a, a great way to kind of take a very simplified aesthetic, but move it and, and tweak it and play around with it so that it creates a very beautiful looking game, uh, especially with the lighting. I think they've done a great job with that. And that's available through Windows PC. So it's not quite out for console. Console is going to be out next year uh, and they are working towards that. But this is something that was um, only available on Steam. So if you had Steam, it was great. But if you're on PC and uh, you, you have Game Pass and you didn't feel like um, dropping the 20 on this one uh, or the 25, I think it was, it was originally on Steam. Um, this is a great way to kind of jump in and test it out. It is a multiplayer game you are, are you're, you're going to do better if you bring in friends with you to be able to, to play along and uh, kind of play through this this uh, viking-esque mythical world you know you've got like droggers and chieftains and stuff you have to worry about you have to try and lay claim to your land and you really have to go out there and get all of your supplies. And if you if you venture out too far, you could get overwhelmed very, very quickly. Uh, so that's one where I would say like, hey, this is this is a great game that is is going to be uh, for folks that play together. They know each other. They have fun with each other. Um, and it's just it's really, really fun. It's just a, a really interesting, unique spin on a, a survival game that looks like something that you'd see back in the PS1, PS2 era. Uh, but it plays very much like modern modern day survival games. Um, so two very different style ones. One's available for everywhere. One's available just on PC for now. Again, it's going to be coming out on Xbox uh, in early 2023. We'll have to see how that actually plays out. But you, if you want to play it, you can jump in right now. Um, I got a chance to jump into Deathloop this week. Uh, that was something that came out last week. Um, I was playing around with it and it's interesting. Um, 
I'm, I'm definitely not a stealthy guy uh, when it comes to stuff. I'm very much in the sense that I like to have the game balanced so that I can just go in and murder people. And this game allows you to do that fairly well. They still expect you to do a fair amount of stealthing, which is tough when that's not your forte. It's, it's a learned skill that I'm working on. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, I like to just kind of uh, go in, shoot everything that I can, and kind of, you know, you know, hopefully survive the uh, the shootout so that I can move forward with the next group. And while that's available in some cases, because most of the mobs in there, um, as weird as they look, they're only in like packs of two, three, maybe. Uh, they've all got like their patterns and they've got their, their kind of schedules that they keep to. Um, it is a stealth game. There's a, a really heavy stealth mechanic built in where you can get noticed, but only after a certain amount of time. Uh, and, and if that's your bag, you're probably going to have a pretty good time with this. Uh, I will say stuff that a lot of people said back when this game launched first on on playstation was cole is a fantastic character uh the voice actor that plays him really killed it uh absolutely some of the best dialogue i've seen some of the most natural dialogue that i've seen in a game in a while uh and it definitely feels like he is in this world he is dealing with this situation he's trying to cope with the fact that he's in this weird version of a groundhog's day where he has to go around and try and break the loop that is constantly being thrown at you all the time and the writing on the walls i'd be very interested to see how accessible this game is because the writing on the walls is all kind of dialogue and while cole does tend to uh say what he sees in front of him most of the time it's not a persistent thing it's not something that happens all the time but the game definitely moves forward each time you die each time you go through a loop you learn a little bit more and while i think that it's interesting that it's it could be possible that you could kill everyone you could do everything on the single on the first loop uh that is definitely not the intent of this game the game is definitely built up around the idea that you're going to be finding weapons you're going to be filling finding uh slates or, or abilities to be able to traverse or kill characters or wipe their memories things like that um to be able to to get to the the people that you need to kill to be able to break this loop meanwhile you have to to worry about the fact that at the end of the day uh, while you are Colt trying to go in and kill these eight different targets, you still have to worry about the fact that um, you've got this other uh, woman who you believe, and I'm not going to spoil too much because I haven't really got too much into it. There's a woman out there who is kind of like goading you throughout this entire thing. She's constantly telling you to just be better, to, to, to do well, because she wants competition. She wants to, to have like a chance to feel like she's she's actually putting her skills to the test. And she gets very annoyed with you when you don't remember what's going on, that you don't remember you're in this loop. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting to have like this weird dynamic where you're really trying to work out what's going on. You're trying to figure out why you're here and what, what's uh, happening. And everything is, uh, everyone and everything is constantly telling you, you need to break the loop. And you haven't quite figured out what that is yet. Uh, and you're kind of learning as you go. So I really do think that, um, I believe it's Arcane Studios, uh, has done a fantastic job kind of getting you to the next loop, getting you, uh, building up your knowledge as you go about um, there's definitely a few times where I felt kind of overwhelmed by the sheer number of menus that would pop up and 
uh, not instinctively wanting to just hit skip because it's not what I want to do in games. I, I would rather not have to read a whole bunch of tutorial menus. I'd rather you teach me as I'm going along so that I have a, a better idea of a, a hands-on version of what the tutorial should be. And it, it still does that, um, but there is still a fair amount of menus that I had to kind of slog through uh, to to get to the point where I was actually having some fun. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back to this because I, I genuinely just am not a huge fan of stealthy games. I, f I catch myself sitting around constantly just waiting for the moment or, or worried that I was going to alert too many people or if something was going to go wrong. It's much easier for me to feel like I just need to get enough ammo to be able to kill everyone. And then I don't have to worry about sneaking around. Very much a pirate aesthetic. People are easy to uh, search when they're dead. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about them uh, fighting back. So that's out there. Uh, let me know if you guys have gotten a chance to dig into that. One of the other games that I want to check out too is called Beacon Pines. This is something that's a day one launch on Game Pass that came out last week. Um, and I haven't jumped into it yet, but I've been very interested because Beacon Pines is kind of a, a cute yet creepy storybook adventure game uh, where you use charms to rewrite fate. Uh, and, and something strange is happening in the game and you have you and, and your friends have to kind of figure out um, what's going on and why no one else really notices it. Um, but the aesthetic is very cute. It's uh, like little animal characters. It looks like um, I'm trying to think if there's like a uh, there's another game that's out that I'm thinking of that reminds me of this. And I think it's Night in the Woods, but the aesthetic is is more more realistic, I guess more detailed. Um, Night in the Woods is very kind of simplified, uh, but the characters from there are ana anapromorphized characters, uh, animals. Um, I always think of like Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood. That's what I always go to whenever I think of whatever that is. And uh, so this is kind of like that, little chibi characters, but um, I'm very interested to see it because the, the look of it is very compelling. I'm very curious what, what this game plays like and stuff. So a bunch of other games that came out. Uh, Let's uh, Build a Zoo is now out. That's a that's a game. I have no clue. It seems like another one of those simulators. We're going to be uh, kind of building up a world kind of like SimCity and, and kind of going through uh, the whatever it is to have a successful zoo. I would much rather play Jurassic World Builder in this case, but um, that's out now if you want to take a look. And that's pretty much it as far as stuff that's coming to Game Pass or has come to Game Pass and what I've been playing uh, outside of kind of the normal Destiny and Sea of Thieves. Um, so as we look forward and we get into releases, um, there are a few games that are going to be coming out. And the big one really really is going to be uh, two main games, but the, the main one is Overwatch 2. So for those of you who've played Overwatch 1, you may be familiar with what that game is and what styles it is. And what you might be wondering is what is different about Overwatch 2? Well, there's a lot of few, there's a lot of stuff to kind of cover. So let's dive in to uh, one of the interesting things that I, I actually saw there was a, a couple uh, infographics that I saw that that might actually help explain a little bit about the difference between the two games. Um, right now, kind of as it goes, it's launching on October 4th, which is next week. And this is going to be a free to play live service. So everyone can jump in and play doesn't matter if you've bought or the first game or not. 
there is a $40 uh, cosmetic pack that you can buy called the Founders Pack. Um, you can pick that up. You get some access to some piratey skins for a couple different characters. This is going to be a free-to-play live service game. Uh, they've changed up the original model of 6v6, and it is now a 5v5 experience. Uh, they've tuned a lot of the tanks to try and make sure that if uh, you're going because it is a set uh, one tank, two DPS, and two healers support roles uh in the the matchups so now tanks are going to be a little beefier now going into it because they know not everyone likes to play tank it is a very very specific role that only a few people out there ever really enjoy and they're going to be going with the free-to-play service, which means that they're going to be doing a seasonal model. Uh, right now, they're stating that there are free updates every nine weeks, or roughly three months, uh, to ensure that there's always something going on. Um, and then season one is going to kick off in October 4th with uh, three new heroes six new maps, uh, 30 plus new skins, the new battle pass, uh, a new mythic skin, and a new game mode. Then season two is going to kick off on December 6th. That's going to bring in a new tank hero, a new map, 30 plus more skins, a new battle pass, and a new mythic skin. Then in the future, in 2023, they're going to have, of course, new heroes, new maps, new skins, new battle passes, new modes, and then PvE is going to kick off in 2023. So they're kind of doing a little bit like what uh, Halo did, but they're they're going to be releasing the PVE content later on. Now, given that Overwatch 2 is free, I'll be very interested to see how much this uh, PVE content is going to um, keep people's attention. Uh, if people are going to jump into this since the barrier to entry is a lot lower, what is their expectation? So... Along with Overwatch 2 being free to play, there are also you're also going to have cross progression. So it doesn't matter what platform you play on. Uh, it is now being set up so that you can have all of your characters, all of your skins, uh, all of that cosmetic goodness um, to like whatever system you're playing on, which previously was not the case. And there has been a way for you to actually uh, convert your um, account over to the main one which was very interesting because i only got the ability to merge my xbox account which didn't really matter because i've only ever played overwatch on uh my pc so i'm not quite sure how it is but um now that cross progression is going to be available for all the different ones um you can go in and you can merge your console and pc accounts from the original game carrying over all of your collected progress with your new version. Uh, essentially, Overwatch 2 is going to replace Overwatch 1. When the game is launched on October 4th, uh, the game will feature cross-progression across all formats, and Activision Blizzard has announced that you'll be able to merge multiple accounts to bring across your existing Overwatch progression into the sequel. So if you've been playing on uh, Switch on the go and you have your skin, some skins there from Loot Crates uh, and you connect it to your account, uh, any, anything that you played on PC will then merge with those and you'll have it all together. Um, so starting, uh, this was actually something that came out back in August 16th. You can make sure that you jump in there and do that. I recommend it. That way you don't miss out on any of the skins that you may have earned on different platforms. So uh, where was I? Let's see. We talked about to the cross progression. 
Um, I'm trying to think if there was one other thing. Oh, uh, of course, the PVA experience coming out uh, in, in 2023. And I was taking a look at it, and uh, we talked about the fact that they were going to be moving to a season uh, season pass system, very much like Overwatch. And it looks like they have kind of the, the normal thing where you've got cosmetics, uh, stuff that you would find in the loot crates, um, now going to be placed in the actual battle pass system something I, I I prefer I like to know what's available to me instead of trying to guess what's going to happen whenever I click a box um, one of the things that I did notice about this is that they are sticking with a, a virtual currency and you do have to use virtual currency to buy the the premium battle pass uh, not just the regular one but the actual premium one and it looks like if you want to buy just the premium version it's going to be 1000 credits or whatever their, their currency is. And if you want to buy the premium plus uh, 20 bonus tiers to get you deeper into the into the season pass quicker, it's a uh, 2200 credits. Now, the thing that I like about this, and this is something that not everyone does a lot of a lot of companies do do this, but not everyone does this is the way you purchase currency with uh these battle pass systems and and unfortunately most of them are kind of being a little a little screwy with the with the with the actual currencies but overwatch based on the images that i've seen has it set up so that say you want to buy the premium battle pass they have a currency uh tier in there that is set up just for that so if you want just the 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 1000 credits to buy your pass it's going to be 999 usd and you can buy just that amount you don't have to buy more and have a little bit extra left over you can you can do that if you want to go into the higher tiers but like i mentioned the premium tier with the 20 uh extra levels that is 2200 the next tier up from the 1000 credits the $10 uh, tier is a $20 tier and that is the one that gets you 10% bonus and it is the exact amount as the battle pass premium pass with the extra 20 levels they're not they're really doing a good job by saying if you want to you have to buy the currency i don't know why you have to buy the currency you can't just buy the pass but you have to buy the currency but the currency lines up exactly with what the uh what the what the actual pass is going to be like they're they're not really they're not doing the thing that i hate where you have to buy more than is needed um because of the way or you know the the one tier that is just below what you need is always just a few coins shy of what you actually need so maybe if you had a little bit left over from the last time you purchased something you might be able to pick it up but if not you're gonna have to bump it up to the next tier that's not the case with this one. I like this. 50 credits is five bucks. A thousand credits is 10 bucks. 2200 uh, credits is 20 bucks with the with uh, you get 10% bonus on that. And then it goes up to $50 and $100. $100 gets you 16% bonus. It's 11,600 credits. I don't know why folks are going to be spending that much on this game to get that much maybe they're they're planning on buying a year's worth of of content and they're they're in it for a year they'll see how it goes and they're just going to drop the money now because you get the bonus on the coins i never like that kind of incentivization it's it's a it's a, 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 a it's a trick it's a it's a a, a mind trick it's a jedi mind trick basically to to get you to want to get the better deal with that and i'm not i've never been a big fan 
of how that system is. Uh, but they're going to have weekly challenges. It looks like um, you can go through and have uh, 10 games. 10 games will get you um, points and then completing weekly challenges. Uh, once you complete 10 or four weekly challenges, you'll get 30 coins. Once you complete eight weekly challenges, you'll get an additional 20 coins. Uh, and then if you complete 11 weekly challenges, you get 10 uh, coins or the credits or whatever they're, they're doing. So overall, you can get... 60 total uh, but the bulk of it is going to be in those first four weekly challenges they're not incentivizing you to play more than you normally should uh to to be able to get all of the credits you know if you miss out on on uh the 11 weekly challenges you're only missing out on 10 coins you're not missing out on 30 coins so they've weighted it so that it's uh, better up front than it is towards the back half of the weekly challenges, which I appreciate. That's it's considerate uh, if they're going to be doing this type of system. So very interesting to kind of go through this and see like how they plan on uh, working out the battle pass system. Again, I'm I'm fine with battle pass systems, especially if it's for a game that I know I'm going to invest in. Uh, the time, if I'm not, I'm not going to pay for it up front. I can always pay for it at the end, you know, right before the end of a season pass uh, flips over to the next season. If you if you've gotten, you know, only 50 levels and you decide you know the premium is the one that's going to actually get me the the content that i want then you can spend it but you don't have to spend it up front you can you can work your way through it and enjoy the game without having to invest additional money into the season pass if you don't want to uh, and that's that's really kind of necessary. It gives players a little more agency, uh, given that the game is free to play. You know, they're not they're not saying you have to buy the game and then pay for the season pass like Destiny does, which I I absolutely hate. Uh, I just really enjoy that. And kind of as a as a heads up to with season one, um, you are going to be able to jump in with Sojourn with Junker Queen. Uh, they're the first initial season locks that have been coming to the game. Um, free for Overwatch one players is the new character Kiriko, uh, which is going to be kind of a, a damage dealing support, which is very interesting. And some of the information that came out uh, with this kind of uh, buildup to the actual game's launch is uh, you'll actually be able to get access to all of the original characters. Now, if you have never owned Overwatch and, and Overwatch 2 is going to be your fresh jump into it, they've gated the uh, heroes so that you roughly have to play about three matches uh, before you can unlock a new hero, um, which means that for the original 32, you're going to have to play roughly about 100 matches if you want to unlock every single character. And this is a topic that I think I've talked about in the past where I would prefer to have characters that I can choose at my own rate where I can work on the ones that I want. And that way, if I don't have to uh, if I don't have to play those other characters, I don't have to worry about having an upfront cost that forces me to pay for characters that I'm not going to play. I'd rather just have access to the characters I know I'm going to play and not have to worry about an upfront cost. It's free to me to be able to play whatever characters I want. I just have to jump in and unlock them. But being that I own Overwatch 1, I don't have to worry about that. If you have Overwatch 1, you have access to all the heroes, the original 32. You'll have access to all of their cosmetics medics all of their voice lines everything that you have in the first game that's all coming forward again just make sure you're going through your different uh platforms and you're linking up your account you want to make sure that you're linking up your account because if you don't you're probably going to miss out on the stuff that you worked for 
Um, so the premium tier is coming out uh, in season one. Some of the things that you can get with that is a 20% season XP boost. Um, you can buy a new all mythic skin, which I believe is a, a Genji skin, which looks like a very cyberpunk um, kind of Android looking skin, very blue, green, red, looks great. Honestly, actually looks really, really amazing. And if you're not an Overwatch one owner, the premium tier will actually grant you access to Kiriko if you're a support player if not just unlock her like you normally would go through play the games get the currency or whatever you need to be able to unlock them and go through that there's also five legendary skins that are going to be included in the premium tiers uh and one epic skin so you're guaranteed to um have access to at least five legendary skins as opposed to the uh random box chance that you might get uh, a legendary skin from so many number of boxes i think the the, the time investment is now as opposed is is the real hang up as opposed to uh the rng of it all and i and i think i would rather have the gate be time and effort as opposed to uh spending money to to have a chance at getting something you know i like working towards something that i know i'm going to get as long as i put in that time because that time is more essential uh, if, if I have like a, a set goal to it. So very interesting how they're going to be doing this. The game looks beautiful, by the way, like a lot of people have been looking at Overwatch one and Overwatch two and saying, oh, well, this could have been done in the first game. The game looks amazing. Like, and this is going to afford them an opportunity to kind of kick things off because if you don't remember Overwatch one used to be a MOBA, actually it didn't even used to be a MOBA. It used to be an MMO. It used to be Titan and Titan was going to be the next Multi massive multiplayer online game it was going to be the next wow and they decided to scrap it they decided to kill off and, and and destroy everything that they were planning you can see where the basis was where they had tanks healers and damage uh but they they had the bare bones which they put out it did really well but they realized that what they had was was pretty much just like the 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 corpse of uh, an MMO that they had managed to scrape together for this uh, arena battler. And Overwatch Two feels like they're getting to re reboot the the series, but respect everyone's investment by bringing forward everything that they had earned. Like they worked really hard to make this game interesting. They constantly tried to get this thing to be an eSport. And while it is still an eSport, it is definitely one of those things where uh, because of leadership leaving Blizzard and Blizzard not really having a good helmsman for the series, uh, they've really had to kind of take back a lot of what they initially planned for for Overwatch 1 and refocus it into Overwatch 2. And the reason Overwatch 2 uh, is coming out and, and feeling so weird because everyone's like, is Overwatch still relevant? Is because they've been working so hard on trying to get this uh, kickstarted off and get, get Overwatch to the best launch that it can have. And I'll be very curious to see mostly how the update cadence comes because all the criticism that I keep seeing from people, and I, and I would say myself included, really does come down to when people try to launch a games that it, or a game that is a, a game as a service. It really does depend on what the update cadence is. Is the content coming? Are you keeping the game fresh? If you can do that, if you can if you can commit to having something roll out every three months then you're probably going to have a success because people are going to have something to look forward to. And realistically, that's what they need, especially if your game is going to be free to play because there's no cost investment in it. You don't feel like you have to stick with it because you've already paid for it. So the content has to be there. 
It has to be interesting and it has to be coming on a regular cadence. And Overwatch will have to prove that it can do that. Jumping into something that can't be done is uh, Skull and Bones this November. Um, Skull and Bones is a very interesting game. This was something that was launched uh, or announced back in 2018, 2017, 2017, I believe, uh, is when they announced it. It was alongside um, Sea of Thieves, and it was going to be the, uh, the, the game that everyone wanted that was Assassin's Creed Black Flag, but just the combat from the actual ship to ship combat and it was in development for a long time uh they'd constantly been working on like the the design the idea behind it it got reworked for a while and it is finally going to be coming out but not when you thought it was originally this was due out um on november 8th i believe uh it was like the day before god of war ragnarok was going to launch it was going to come out on november 8th and god of war was going to be november 9th and everyone was like that game is dead in the water literally there's no way this game is going to uh survive god of war as a ubisoft title because a lot of people know what to expect with ubisoft titles and based on what we've seen uh it looks like it was going to be pretty good now I am honestly very surprised with the amount of time and investment that I put into pirating games and pirate content that I have not been able to get a chance to actually play this. I signed up for the beta. Uh, I signed up for the, the insider stuff. I never got access to it. I never got an email giving me a code to be able to dive into this, to be able to uh, play around with it. And I'm not entirely sure I'd be able to speak to it, um, given that I haven't really seen or heard much uh, from people who have access to it. So um, they've made... They've, they've put out the delay.jpg, which if you're on Twitter and you follow me, you probably already know. Every time I see a company that's putting out their uh, game announcement saying that there's going to be a delay, it's accompanied by a delay.jpg, which has a uh, statement that goes something like this. Uh, our team is hard at work at polishing the game for, for the experience that we want to have for you for the launch, but we've had to make the tough decision that we need to move the game back to insert date here, uh, while we continue to work hard and make sure that we're putting out the best possible experience for you. And that is what happened to Skull and Bones. Um, on the 28th of September, we got a delay.jpg that said, Ahoy there, privateers. Our team is hard at work polishing and balancing the experience ahead of the worldwide launch. As a result, we've made the tough decision to move our release date to March 9th, 2023. We are very eager for you to get your hands on Skull and Bones and dive in headfirst to the dangerous and exciting world of building your own pirate empire. To give you the best possible experience, we've decided to take a little more time to make sure that we can deliver exactly that. So they're going to be doing an open beta of this game, which I think will really speak to what people think of this when it does actually launch. I imagine that a lot of the reason why they are working towards putting this game out later as opposed to its original November launch date has to do with the feedback that they've been receiving from uh, the, the testers that have been given access through the Insider program. 
Now that's speculation on my part, but generally if things are going well, you don't delay your game. And if you've most recently opened up your game to a large number of people, you've immediately gotten a lot of data, not only technically, but also, you know, personal feedback from people anecdotally saying like what they like and what they don't like. And that may cause you to have a delay, a, a guessing or second guessing about how the state of your game is going to be received when it's opened up to the world as a whole and based off of that i'm hoping that skull and bones does uh, a good enough job of being able to uh do what it what it set out to do which was make a very unique and interesting pirate game in a in an industry that really doesn't have a whole lot of options a lot of the options out there are honestly ripoffs of sea of thieves and that's that's kind of putting it bluntly but if Sea of Thieves didn't succeed the way it did, um, or, or even with the rocky start that it had, uh, we would not be seeing a lot of other sailing games out there. Uh, there would not be a lot of uh, other pirate games on the market right now. And Sea of Thieves is kind of a testament to revitalizing that service or that that genre for us. Assassin's Creed was uh, Black Flag was that game before then, uh, before Sea of Thieves, and Skull and Bones hopes to help hopefully kind of like live amongst the, that crowd it doesn't want to uh you know go out with a with a whimper you know it wants to uh, really kind of captivate the people who are looking for that very realistic approach to piracy now i i think some of the early criticisms on video that we have seen are valid it does seem weird that your ship is the one that's cutting down a bunch of trees that you sail up to um i don't really understand a whole lot of that i feel like there needed to be a way for you to get on you know boots on the on the ground as i'm like moving my hands i'm talking with my hands while i'm recording this uh, but boots on the ground kind of out there foraging for stuff if that's the route that they want to take which they are building a crafting survival type system into this and it's going to be very interesting because it is a pirate game that mostly works off of sailing and i don't know really how that's how that's going to work out but you need to keep your your crew morale up uh and and that's going to be um by doing well making making smart decisions not by sinking obviously uh and and it remains to be seen how skull and bones is going to be uh, uh perceived when it actually gets launched and just because it's not perceived well does not mean that it is a, a dead game per se because obviously no man's sky and uh fallout 76 are good testaments to games that have gotten poor reception and come through and really kind of shown uh after they've had some time and dedication cyberpunk 2077 has seen a huge resurgence thanks to the popularity of the anime that just recently came out edge runners which is another name for cyberpunks so it's kind of like cyberpunk cyberpunk but just a different way to call it um but that show has has pushed sales on steam for cyberpunk 2077 up to the most bought game at all on for the for the week for this last week which is is crazy to think that that game has has done so well um i have been i'm still a bitter person about the fact that we're not going to get the dlc that i was hoping to get i really really wanted a couple different types of dlc it doesn't look like we're going to be getting that the dlc that we are getting seems interesting i'm looking forward to, to playing it uh but i i've i've put my time into cyberpunk and i really enjoyed it i've been enjoying the anime um it really does make me want to jump back into it and a lot of folks are giving cyberpunk the time of day now which is very interesting given that the game effectively outside of the bugs is still the same content 
that it was. It's it's more balanced. It's a lot stabler now. Um, but it's it's interesting to see that with the announcement of uh, new CPUs and new GPUs from in, NVIDIA and Intel, um, a couple different sites have been able to test out some of the uh, new GPUs. And they're using Cyberpunk as the benchmark for what is a, a good game or a good uh, a example of what high graphics are going to look like with uh, some of the different modes. And, and CDPR has always been like this. If you go and you play Witcher 2 on your PC, if you're playing with a, a new top of the line console right now, you can still run into uh, graphical hitches because that game, you can bump up the graphics so high. You can you can ask it to do so much that even top end systems still have uh, a, 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 it's like the new crisis effectively. Like CDPR really knows how to make crisis benchmark games and Cyberpunk 2077 is that now. I'm glad that they're getting uh, their their time in the sun to be able to to kind of you know show like what the story is because I think that world is very interesting. I think there's still a lot of work that could have been done or things that could have been changed um, that might have helped the game in the in the get go. But genuinely, it just needed more time, and it's had more time, and now it's a really fun game to actually jump into uh, if you've never done it before. I can't remember what I got on this for. Oh, I was talking about how games are, are, you know, with enough time and love can actually be a good game. So we'll, we'll have to see where Skull and Bones lands in this situation. Um, I'm hopeful that they'll do well because I'm looking forward to trying out like what type of game it's going to be. You know, even with it just being a pirate game, I'm just a genuine, genuine, genuine fan of the genre. So very curious to see what's going on. But um I like that they're pushing it out beyond February because honestly, I think a lot of studios have really kind of found that they do showcases in September and then they launch six months later and their games come out in February, which I think is six months later. I'm not doing the math right now. I'm not, uh, but they do uh, launches in February past holiday and they do really, really well. And now we're running into the situation where all of the games that used to be November are now February and it's a really weird time to launch a game because it's it's enough time after the holidays that you can do some stuff uh, but most studios shut down during the end of, of December because it's the holidays and they usually take a lot of time off um, I know specifically like Blizzard they take like an entire week off of, of work which is imagine being able to take an entire week off in, in, instead of just the one day. Uh, so with that, it's it's odd to me that uh, with the run up to the end of a launch that a lot of people may or may not actually get their time off during the holidays. Usually you get your game out in November and then you can chill during December because you're just kind of like celebrating like the launch, you know, maybe doing some day one patch stuff. Um, but with everyone going in February now, I'm glad to see that at least Skull and Bones is trying to get out a little further than that. Um, it remains to be seen like how that's going to go, because now I'm thinking like, where does Legend of Zelda land? Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. What was the launch date for that? That is, gosh, taking a look. Okay, so May 12th. So even, even Skull and Bones is going to be able to get in before Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, in, in May is going to be a very interesting month. I want to see who launches in May or if Zelda is going to have to take another delay.jpg and post that up to, to, to people. But uh, overall, I, I think it's good for them to kind of take the time they need. I always champion that if, if people need to have more time to work on the game, and they're not going to kill themselves. I'd much rather wait. It's not going to it's not going to bug me in the slightest. 
All right, so as we're kind of winding down on time, let's shotgun some of the, the general news that came out for the industry, and let's talk about how Google is shutting down Stadia. If you don't know what Stadia is, it was one of the competitors to Game Pass. It is one of the competitors to NVIDIA GeForce Now and Luma, which is Amazon's streaming service. Uh, Studio was an, Stadia was an interesting one because Stadia required you to um, have a free tier if you wanted to be able to play at the lowest resolution and a potential queue to get into your game. Uh, but if you had a controller, uh, you could ju jump onto any TV, any, any streaming device that had uh, access to Google and be able to play any of the games that you bought through their service. Um, so let's go to The Verge here where we can see an article from Jay Peters and Alex uh, Cranes. Um, Google is shutting down Stadia, its cloud gaming service. The service will remain live for players until January 18th, 2023. Google will be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases through the Google Store, as well as all of the games and add-on content purchased from Stadia Store. Google experts uh, expects those refunds will be completed in mid January. Um, this is a really interesting thing to me because a lot of people kind of saw this coming. A lot of people have anticipated that Google would not stick with this. Uh, they came at it with a very interesting approach. And I think that the I think that the technology is sound uh, as far as like streaming games and having the service available. But it is not something that Google is getting into. They've spent a lot of money trying to get into gaming. They see that there's money there. Uh, they have access to the to the analytics through the Google Play Store. Um, they know Android is a very popular OS for gaming on on phones. Um, so when you think about what Stadia was supposed to be, it seemed like they were going to be able to really kind of do the thing that Game Pass was. The problem was is that not many people like having to purchase full games and not have it either saved locally um, to to a, a console where they can play it offline if they want to, which by the way, D DRM issues on Xbox have really improved. Uh, they've done some stealth issue or some stealth fixes to the console and the OS that will allow you to play uh, a lot of single player content without needing to have online access. Um, like it's, it's not forcing you to download any patch day one patches if you don't want to. So that's kind of nice. But Stadia was asking you to buy full price games and just have the, the ability to play them on streaming, which is a very weird thing for a lot of folks. Not many folks are willing to outright buy stuff from a digital service in the games industry. A lot of people who do buy games digitally expect them to be on a console in an ecosystem that is from a, a reputable seller. Google has never really proved that they've stuck with anything outside of maybe YouTube and Google uh, as, as Google, if that makes sense. Um, and, and it's not really hard to see like why when you go and you look at the long list of projects that Google has either kicked up or bought and subsequently shut down. Uh, not a lot of people have faith in Google to stick with a program when they kick it up, um, it, which is why a lot of people were excited when they announced Google Fiber because they were hoping that Fiber would be the thing that they stuck with. You know, spoilers, they didn't. But seeing that Stadia is shutting down, um, it's, it's interesting to think about the the reason why they might be doing it is because it's just costing too much money. Um, the server farms are too expensive. You're not you're not selling enough games uh, on the service, and you don't have enough premium users 
which are the ones that have access to like the full 4k rendering all that good jazz stuff to be able to warrant keeping it uh going and that it might be cheaper just to shut down the service and actually refund all of the money that the the eight or nine people out there paid for these things because it was very interesting to think that during the and, and this is kind of weird too because in the case of cyberpunk 2077 the state that that game launched in was so bad that Sony had to remove it from its store. And meanwhile, Stadia was actually the best running version of that game, the cloud version. So if you had Stadia and you bought it there, then you had the best experience when playing through Cyberpunk 2077. I'm glad that... Uh, Google made the attempt to do this because it opened up, I think, Amazon to try out Luna, which is is kind of the the main uh, opposing force. Luna itself is an interesting one because you're kind of buying into the different companies to get access to their games, uh, like the Ubisoft channel, uh, when Ubisoft still has UB Play or U, Uplay. I think it's Uplay. And... Uh, Kind of looking at what GeForce NVIDIA GeForce now does is, is effectively the same thing, but you play the games that you have access to through their store that you've already purchased. So if you've purchased con through content through Steam and NVIDIA GeForce now supports that, you can play it through the cloud gaming service whenever you want. You don't have to pay for anything extra, I don't think. Uh, so it's it's really interesting that, that Google was trying to sell games uh, to people on a service that was very very brand new and without having like a dedicated console or an option for a dedicated console a lot of people didn't trust it and it's it's good that they're at least doing the decent thing which is if they're shutting it down this soon after launching it that at least they're going to be refunding people for the hardware and the games that they're, they're taking the money of the, the the premium people but at least they're returning the cost of the games uh, the next story that we wanted to jump into this week is that E3 is returning in 2023. On June 13th through the 16th, it's going to be three days. Uh, there's a nice article that uh, VentureBeat put up. It's uh, Rachel uh, Kaiser, 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 not Kaiser. I'm used to Kaiser. That actually says Kaiser, uh, or at least I think it does. K-A-S-E-R. I don't know. Could be Kaiser. Could be Kaiser, just spelled weird, but I think it's Kaiser. Um, so, or Kaiser. Maybe it's Kaser. Doesn't matter. Uh, they wrote up a nice article over on VentureBeat. We'll read from there. Um, Far from dead, E3 has announced its dates and that it's returning in 2023. The Entertainment Software Association and ReadPop have revealed which days the 2023 show will happen next year. It will be the first handheld or first in-person uh, show since 2019 before the uh, before the the pandemic kicked off. Um, this is the first year that ReadPop is managing the event. According to its new schedule, June 13th to 15th will be quote unquote business days reserved for industry personnel. June 15th to 16th will be gamer days in which the general public will be able to attend. Um, as someone who makes content for video games, I am hoping that I will be able to get access 
to E3. I have always wanted to go to an E3. The fact that they have two days out of the three set up for just business days really does um, kind of let people know that this is going to be taken seriously if you are a news pundit or an outlet. You'll be able to speak to uh, people industry people in the industry to be able to get more details on it. You'll be able to get B-roll footage. You'll be able to have your your time to be able to work and do the deals that you want to deal to make deals with to be able to get content in the future it's no longer like an expo where you're basically seeing like what games are going to be there and how many copies you need to buy for your store that's that's a thing of the past uh but being able to give uh, gamers at least one day to be able to go in and try out the different games um is is really interesting i am very curious to find out who all is going to be going? I think that's the biggest question right now. E3 can be a thing, but it really depends on who's going to be there. I can pretty much say for certain that Xbox will show up. Xbox has always supported E3. They are constantly saying that they like E3 being what it is and that they, they want it to be a thing in the future. Sony probably will not show up and it'll be interesting to find out if Nintendo does. Uh, because Nintendo don't for a long time and they typically do their treehouse live uh, showcases and they kind of go to the to the beat of their own drum they really don't they really don't follow the normal kind of cadence of when content should come out probably to the detriment of their fans I, I know a lot of fans are ravenous to find out when the next uh, Nintendo Direct is going to be but it will still kind of be um, up to them to decide if they decide to come to E3 but I, I will probably take a look and see if I can do something it really does depend on uh, the timing of other stuff that's going on obviously money is going to be a, a factor in there because uh, I imagine I might be able to get a press uh, press pass to be able to go there but I don't know that I'll, I'll be able to you know, I'm probably not, I'm probably going to have to pay for my way to fly down and uh, get a room there. So um, it's interesting to think that people are already kind of booking hotel rooms right now for this, given that we have no clue who's actually going to be there. Uh, besides, I imagine a, a handful of indie uh, uh, publishers um, for sure. Like I, I would not be surprised if Digital Devolver and Annapurna will will be there, but it remains to be seen. Hopefully we'll get more details soon uh, from companies saying that they're going to be supporting E3, especially given that the, the three main consoles have all had to try and figure out what they're going to be doing. And this also kind of lies uh, down the question of, of what's going to happen to Summer Game Fest. Uh, Jeff Keighley has, has done uh, a lot of work to try and make sure that there is a fun, interesting event that happens in June for gaming. Um, I think the last one was a very interesting choice. He, he made some interesting choices there. I still think the Game Awards is kind of his forte, uh, given that he's been doing that the longest. Um, but it'll be interesting to find out if he decides to do a summer game fest in 2023 now that ea's kind of thrown their their flag in the ground and and said hey we're going to be here uh for e3 in june the last couple stories i want to toss out there xbox released a new mineral camo special edition controller it is 70 dollars. it's available on different places to pre-order now it's coming out on october 5th uh, it is the standard camo print but a a kind of nice tealish uh set of hues um on this controller i would say like a mineral blue let's see purple bright purple aqua and a deep purple in a camouflage color 
it's actually probably one of the better looking camo uh controllers that i've seen i'm not i'm really not a huge fan of the of the camo versions of these controllers i really do like kind of the solid colors more than anything um, but I, I will say that th these colors probably intrigue me the most not 70 dollars worth but uh they definitely intrigue me it'll be very interesting to see what kind of colors to come out with in the future and then the last uh one that i wanted to jump into um is I was tempted to talk about the PlayStation Stars loyalty program. We've seen a couple things as the service launched in Japan, but I think I'm going to save uh, this story for next week when it launches in the U.S. and we get a better idea of what's actually happening with the loyalty program that Sony is releasing. Instead, I want to talk a little bit about um, the fact that we got a trailer for The Last of Us. Um, I am very, very interested in this show, and I think that... Uh, we're, we're going to have to see if the last of us can do the thing that I think a lot of us want to have, uh, happen in, in the games industry, which is to have really good shows like cyberpunk 20 or cyberpunk edge runners, like the Witcher, like arcane. Uh, we want really good shows based on the franchises that we're playing because it's, it's never enough to just have the, the game itself. We can play through the game and really enjoy it. Uh, but having a show to garner interest from people who don't normally play games is a fantastic way to have something in common, to be able to speak to uh, the different things that people um, may or may not have with each other. You know, the, the common interests, like I, you may not have someone that you can play games with, but you can still watch TV with them. And having content that's based around games definitely helps kind of bridge that gap. A little understanding as to why you spend so much time with these video games. Uh, so, but The Last of Us looks, um, just the trailer for it just looks fantastic. It looks really good. Yeah, I, I think they're going to do a really good job with it. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing like what the, the general consensus is, like what the wider world thinks of of a story that is essentially coming in from uh, a video game perspective and having neil Druckmann as uh, on board to help kind of with the story really does show to the dedication from the studio that they want this to be something that is held in reverence that, the, that they're not just pushing this out for the sake of uh, trying to to earn extra money or or get some namesake to be able to sell uh, a, a version of the game that they just put out that a lot of people will try to argue that is is relevant or not relevant and having this be out there for people to see will maybe you know bring them in to be able to play a game that they that they haven't maybe this will actually kind of do something for the uh, for the the people who who you know hold these franchises and cherish them you know i would love for me to be happy about the next resident evil game or or movie to come out because the the movies really are terrible uh they've gotten way off the off the the beaten path of what the resident evil story is and you you know granted the resident evil story is kind of a a a you know kind of worn out story already i mean we're talking about the last of us which is effectively a zombie show <laughs> like resident evil but for some reason everyone's a lot more excited about this because i think it, it it gets down to what i think a lot of a lot of tv shows and a lot of movies are trying to do which is really kind of capitalize on the 
people that are in it and less so the the fact that there's zombies uh so very very excited to kind of see where this goes very interested to see like how things um how things play out afterwards is is really what's interesting me like i think the show will do well but i want to see what happens after everyone uh gets a chance to actually jump in and start watching it um especially because you know mandalorian season three is not long after and if people are like just loving eating up everything that pedro pascal can put out um he's he's doing a great job of staying relevant right now and i think that's a testament to his actual acting even though it's it's taken this long for people to find out who he is um but just some weird thoughts that i had about that that i wanted to to share and see if anyone else is interested in uh in this show as well too and if you if if you're currently watching edge runners as well i'm i'm curious to see like if you've been jumping into cyberpunk uh and and if you if you like it or not has it has it got you interested in going out to actually uh play the game for cyberpunk 2077 let me know but i think that's going to do it for this episode uh surprised that i managed to get pretty much all the stories that i wanted to get in again a little bit lighter this week um we've got scorn coming out next month that will be interesting to talk about uh playstation stars as well as overwatch 2's reception uh, what people think of it when they get their hands on it uh, and a bunch of other stuff as as well. Um, tons of tons of news to talk about in uh, the world of Call of Duty. And November is going to be insane. I'll be very curious to see what happens in November because I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing what's going on with that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Xbox Wrap Up. Thank you to everyone who's been hanging out, listening to these episodes. All my friends, I really appreciate you uh, dedicating yourself to really kind of, uh, you know, consuming the content that i put out there even if this content is lesser than what i normally put out uh for other shows i appreciate you just listening for the the sake of of supporting me so thank you to everyone who's listening if you if you aren't one of my friends and you're listening thank you for for trusting that i am a a a decent enough source of of news or entertaining enough for you to actually spend the time so uh with that let's get out of here